Welcome to Minnesota Stories. I'm your host, Tyler Coleman. Joining me today to share their Minnesota story is Matt Little. Matt, although still uh, quite young, has had a pretty extensive political career. He started as a council member for Lakeville and within two years decided he should run for mayor. He became, I believe, the youngest mayor at the time in the United States. And after uh, a fairly successful run as mayor of Lakeville, decided to take his talents to, uh, to St. Paul and became a state senator, a position which he still holds today. So uh, thanks for joining us and enjoy Matt Little's Minnesota Story. Okay, I'm here with Matt Little. Matt, thanks for joining us today on Minnesota Stories. Thanks for having me. Um, let's just dive right into it. Where are you from? Born and raised, high school, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I'm from Lakeville. I was born and raised in Lakeville. Um, born at Ridges Hospital in Burnsville. And uh, this July, my daughter will also be born at Ridges Hospital. So Congratulations. Uh, you know, starting to lay some history down in the area. Um, so was this back when Lakeville was just farms and not that long ago. I'm not that old. Um, uh, so my, my parents bought a house here, um, in 82. They still live in the house I grew up in. Um, and, um, you know, they had my older brother first moved here in 82, then had me in 84 and then my brother, my other brother in 88. So, but they're still here. We're both middle child. Yeah, of yeah. Three boys. We need attention. We have to fight for it, though. That's why I do this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, so uh, it's great. Um, you know, my so my parents, like I said, still live in Lakeville in the house I grew up in. Uh, my you know younger brother has four kids and lives with his family in Lakeville. My older brother has two kids and lives uh, in Lakeville. And uh, my wife and I live in Lakeville. So it's really nice to just have us all together. Um, my mom's going to be so angry hearing this story because yeah. that's, that's what she wanted. It just hasn't worked out that way. Well, let me say on record that your mom should get exactly what she wants. <laughs> and if you are holding that back, that's on you. Um, this is all got to get edited. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, grew up here, went to Parkview Elementary, Scott Highlands Middle School, and then graduated Rosemount. There's, um, there's kind of a triangle up in uh, the northeast part of Lakeville that goes to 196 schools, and so that's where I grew up. And um, It's cool, though. My you know my nieces and, and uh, nephews are going to Parkview as well now, so I, I've been back a number of times, and there's still a few teachers that I had that are, that are still there, and um, just feels good. I love this place, and... Um, I feel so grounded and connected uh, to Lakeville, and um, I can't see myself ever leaving. Nice. <clears throat> so um, you're known now for being a state senator um, and former mayor of Lakeville. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you were born in 1984. Yeah. There's one of those things that just doesn't seem to line up. It's just the age. Um how did you get into politics, especially so young? Were you in debate club in high school? Was this 
were you always interested, or maybe were your parents or grandparents interested in politics? Yeah, so there is no real, uh, there's no deep or uh, history of politics in my family. The only thing we've been able to find um, is uh, my great grandpa, who was uh, well known in uh, Birchwood, Wisconsin. Um, he was on uh, the board there, uh, so he was kind of a, a board chair. And uh, my grandma just gave me uh, the letter of the governor uh, at the time of Wisconsin, congratulating him on his um, election to the board. Um, but that's the only real political service that we, we found in my family before then. So I don't come from a political name or anything mm -hmm. like that, uh, or a political family. Uh, but um, as you pointed out, and you, I think you might already know, I joined the debate team when I was in high school. When I was 14, I really just never looked back. Um, was that know, because you'd done well in speeches when you were younger? You were argu always no, argumentative? I, joined, or? I actually had no interest in joining the debate team when I first went to high school, but my, my older brother was on the debate team. So it was one of those things where he just said, you know, come by, see if you like it. Mm -hmm. um, and I really just got into it. I never looked back. I, I mean, I say I was obsessed with that activity. I, you know, I had played soccer. I wasn't awful. I wasn't great, but... Um, you know, I loved playing soccer and sports. Um, you know, I was first chair of the Rosemont High School band my sophomore year, um, but I quit everything else to focus on debate. I just, I loved it and I was obsessed because um, it matters, right? Like, I think I realized at an early age that it, that it matters, you know, what policies would put in place and what impact they have on people. And um, I just finally found something that I thought uh, made a difference that mattered. You know, like playing trumpet was fun. It was great. I loved it. Playing soccer was fun and great. I loved it, but it didn't, wasn't changing anybody's life. Um, so when I found that and, and got into politics, I, uh, you know, the, the only way I can say this, I never look back. I've never, so I've never been a part of that world. I expect a lot of people listening have not been a part of that debate team world yeah. where you say that it matters. I, I don't picture necessarily people, you know, just so impassioned, um, about, specific policies I could be wrong on this but my view of as of debate team is learning how to look at things from different angles again correct me if I'm wrong do you have, do you take a position and then argue that or my understanding was is that they'll say okay here's an issue you take this side of the argument you take the other side of the argument yeah it's a little I mean that's the that is some of the basic structure it's a little more complicated than that um, when you get deeper into the activity um, but you are forced to argue both sides, right? So um, each round, someone gets to be the affirmative, and they get to choose what their position is. Okay. Um, and then you're the negative, and you have to take the opposite position or find a way to agree with them and disagree, right? So there are, there's a lot of nuance, and it's not just yes or no. Um, and there is a lot of maybe. There's a lot of gray area like there is in our real world. So sure. you're arguing about what the best policy is, um, and what you should do. Um, so you get into a lot of the politics and the policy, um, but you're also right that you learn how to structure an argument. Um, and once you learn how to structure an argument, you can learn to deconstruct someone's argument. So um, I still think that way, right? So when you make an argument, I'm piecing that argument uh, apart, right? I know um, the things I can attack the foundation of it, what you're presuming to make that argument, figuring out whether you have the facts to make that presumption. Um, so I'm I'm looking at the foundation of your argument. I'm also looking at what's on top of the argument and arguing that. 
Um, so I can find, you know, the five or six different things that are incorrect or presumptuous about your argument. And I still think that way. And it's something you're trained to do. And, um, you know, I know the people that, you know, were my coaches, right, and or um, were heavily involved in the debate from even longer ago. They still think like that. We all think like that. Um, and so uh, that's what you learn, too, um, argumentation, but also the policy, which I find to be very important. Um, you know, policy can and can be the difference whether you have a job or not, or whether you have health care or not, um, whether you have a good school or not. Um, it, it determines all those things. Um, and so the most frustrating thing you can probably say to me is, I don't really care about politics. Because that doesn't, that doesn't matter if you don't care about politics. It doesn't matter because politics are out there and they are affecting, it, it's affecting your life in some way or another. Um, so don't say that to me. I won't say it. I'll go off. I did not yeah. vote in the last presidential election, though. But you're n you can't, right? I could not at the time. I've since become when, since we met last. I've become a citizen. Well, congratulations! Thank you. That is amazing. Yeah. Should we sing something by Lee Greenwood? <laughs> I Proud actually saw to him. Be an yeah, I saw him. He sang uh, at an intermission of a Nashville Predators game. Heck yeah, I did. I mean, that was that was American. If you don't stand up, and Salute the flag after that Proudly song. Proudly stand up. I don't know. Next to you. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Maybe so. leave. I mean, that's just, <laughs> even if you don't, you know, Lee Greenwood has some interesting politics. We don't have to go into that. But that song is just that's the thing. too good. Yeah. And it even says Minnesota in the song. So what else do you want here in Minnesota? Anyhow. Yeah. Do you have questions? Or I can just keep talking. Yeah, we can just riff, yeah. keep riffing yeah. on uh, American songs. Yeah. Um, but so you go, you're in, um, you're in the debate team. You really enjoy that. Feel passionate about it. Everything else gets put to the side. When did you decide that that was going to lead into politics? Because it happened really quickly. It wasn't oh, after I establish my career and have my family, I'm going to hopefully get on city council one day. <laughs> when did it? When did you think I'm going to get? I'm going to dive right into this. I think I always wanted to um, serve in elected office. I think that was always in my head, you know. And like when I was 14, I wanted to be governor of Minnesota. That was my version of Major League Baseball, you sure. know. Um, but um, uh, the outside viewpoint looks like I was always in, uh, thinking politics right away, and that's not necessarily true. When I went into college, my first major was uh, secondary ed. Um, and, you know, I thought to myself, well, how do you, you can't make any money just in politics, right? So you have to have a job, and then politics is something you do um, outside of uh, your quote-unquote real job. Sure. Um, so I did that for a semester, um, but I got in the classroom a couple times, actually through uh, debate, because I, I was a college debater as well for one year, and uh, I, I kind of failed badly in the classroom. I just wasn't very good at teaching, you know. I, I feel like I, I'm a sponge when it comes to learning or adapting. Um, but I got in the classroom, I just didn't do very well, and I didn't care for it at the time. And so I switched. Um, and kind of, I still fought politics. I, I transferred to Morris from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and I still fought it when I got to Morris, and I signed up for some... Uh, odd triple major combination of Spanish 
international relations and business. I don't know what got into my mind that I was about to do, but I was I was going for it. You like those three things? Or yeah, I don't know. I can't like... even, looking back now, I don't know what that was all about. But it was just this fight against studying politics. I didn't think you could, you know, pay your bills with a political science degree. Uh, so after about a half semester of that, I said, okay, this is not working. I don't, I'm not passionate about any of this. You know, I, I know I love politics, so why don't I just study politics and I'll figure out what I'm doing after. I'll find a job, right? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the rest of the time I have to just go all in on politics. And I, uh, and that was one of the best decisions of my life. I mean, I, I just loved it. I dived right in. I did, um, my senior thesis was 60 hours of uh, like manual data entry from campaign finance reports. And I drew up this whole big thing I learned um, like statistical analysis on my own to write this paper to see if there was this correlation with this new policy and who it helped and why and um, uh, and it was about uh, campaign fundraising and I just loved it it won like best paper uh, at the college that year and um, I'm just so glad that I finally stopped fighting it and then uh, was able to get a job in DC at a lobbying firm for three months and then I worked for the Letter Carriers Association for a little over a year and a half teaching you know people that deliver your mail how to campaign and how to lobby on their own behalf um, I love that job I had 10 states traveled all around and got to meet all sorts of people and what they thought of it and what their perspective was so I'm not really familiar with you said the actual letter carriers themselves yeah people that put the letters in the box for you that's the that's the association I worked for okay. and they have their big association and um, yeah, that was fun, and it gave me the opportunity to see uh, more of our country um, and uh, get kind of the uh, outside of Minnesota perspective as to what's going on. So did that for a while, too. Yeah. So that was a few years after college. Yeah. So you're still now in your early 20s. Yeah, 23, somewhere in there. When did you first, when did you first run for political office, or maybe there was a step before yeah, that? Yeah, so I announced it for city council at 24, got elected at 25. Um, for city council and announced and then campaigned up to have you ever lost an election no i have never <laughs> lost an election to the listeners repeat i've never lost an election don't try i guess yeah if anybody was thinking about running yeah it's, you better it's, think about running for something else <laughs> not state senate okay uh, uh, but so, so the, then you there's a year gap in there. If your listeners are paying close attention, there's a year gap in there where I was in Chile teaching English for um, a little while and traveling South America. And that was just finding yourself. Yeah, it was like uh, the I think the quarter life crisis applied in that moment, you know, because, I, again, I've had this internal struggle with politics um, in my life until, you know, re, you know, my 30s and late 20s um, where I just kept fighting you know, is politics what I want to do? Uh, so I was in D.C. and I just wasn't enjoying D.C. It's it's not Minnesota. Let me tell you that it's not it's not friendly. It's not a nice place, and um, and it and it doesn't operate the way it should. So I wasn't really enjoying it there. Um, and I just had this moment where I was like, what am I what am I doing? So I, I tore off. I mean, I basically joined this I joined this program, taught for a little while, and then traveled and um, and then came back to. Um, run for city council again politics uh, winning that internal struggle yeah um so ran at 25 and then ran for mayor at uh, 27 re-elected mayor at 29 unopposed that was awesome that was probably the biggest political compliment you can get is you know no one in your city thinks to uh, run against you i mean it's great when you first announced 24 that you were running for city council what were the reactions that you were getting kind of from the establishment 
there were zero reactions. They didn't know who I was or what they just care didn't, about. They, yeah, or, they just yeah. didn't care at all. They thought I was, you know, um, not going to go anywhere. And was the city council here pretty locked in? Yeah, they. I mean, a lot of them had served for quite some time. Um, so, and 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 some of them did a, a great job during that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying length of service is a bad thing. So, uh, but at the time, I can't even blame them. You know, I hadn't been around for a while and who knows who I was so so they didn't think anything of it what was what was the thought when you actually won your seat um I think there were a ton of people surprised and and that's certainly the reaction I got um they were not expecting me to win um and then they were then I think they you know kind of the establishment was spent two months between when I won and when I got sworn in trying to figure out where I was at with some of the policies they wanted and um, it was, it, you know, I'll be pretty candid that they, they kind of sent all these people to come and meet with me and they, they thought I didn't know that this was orchestrated and organized. Um, but they kind of sent a series of people to meet with me, all of them from this, this group that had, that had run things here for a while. Um, but, uh, so they did that and all they did was talk at me. They never asked me anything. They never asked me a question. Um, they just sat there and talked at me about how things were. And I remember very vividly we got into that first meeting and they started talking about this one policy they were trying to pass. I won't get too specific on the policy, but um, I said, this is not the right thing to do. And the jaws dropped because they thought I had said I'd supported that even though they spent Nobody all these meetings at, not asking, telling, they tell me. So, um, yeah, that's when they first realized that I wasn't there just to do what I was told. And, um, and uh, a few of them had to learn the hard way that um, this isn't 1960 anymore. Uh, this, this is, uh, you know, we're in the 2000s and we need to bring our city up to speed. And that was, that was a, a huge focus and goal of mine when I got elected. I guess if we just back up a little bit too, how did you win? Um, I got more votes than... Uh, that's, that's usually what you try for. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the things I did to win is, yeah. is kind of the question. What, what um, steps did you take during your campaign to get those votes? Yeah, I'm just um, I'm just kind of a tireless campaigner. Um, I love meeting people, and so I'm, I'm just driven to meet the next person, talk to the next person, see what they have to say. And, and you know, we we were a city of tremendous growth even at the time we were. So there were all these new people in here wondering why we were making these decisions or why they didn't even know who was elected. Right? They've never met any of these people. Um, and so, you know, I knocked thousands of doors and talked to thousands of people and I went to all these events and, uh, just introduced myself, you know, said, hi, I'm Matt Little. These are the three things I want to do. Um, and, um, and I what think, were those three things? Um, at the time, it, the, the biggest one was, um, uh, taking a long-term focus and that had a couple of outcrops, right? Um, sometimes people look at the budget for the next reelection, right? They want to keep you know they don't want to they don't want to raise it another 0.2 percent or or whatever so there were all these things they were doing to cut the budget that actually cost taxpayers more so if you'll follow me on that um you know the biggest example was we had records technicians at the police department and they were in charge of writing down all the reports that were dictated while the police officers were driving around doing their job right we pay them to protect our city and protect us uh, they got rid of these records technicians. So guess what happened? The higher paid police had to type their own? Yes. So they were spending a quarter to a third of their patrol time stopped writing 
and, and stopped, you know, uh, their vehicle, and were writing their reports, and they had to, because yeah. no one else was there. So we are paying someone with a specific set of skills, uh, a highly specific set of skills, um, and that's doing a dangerous job. We're paying them a high amount to do reports, when we could be paying someone that does reporting, <laughs> you know, at a, at a at a lower cost. Um, and more efficiently, right? Someone that specializes in that is going to be more efficient than someone that's sitting in their vehicle. So that was one specific example I brought out as to where we were really uh, behind. And then I had some other focuses on... Where, where on, did you find that issue? I just, you know, you just read and follow the council meetings and you look at the budget. And uh, that one, to me, was just common sense. I mean, it mm -hmm. just was a no-brainer to me, like, um, what the impact of that would be. But there were other things, too, where we weren't investing in software or technology. And you know what? Uh, you know, this is extreme and not true, but if we have our staff using typewriters weren't, and sending mail and... We you, saved the cost of computers. Yeah. We, you know, we didn't buy any computers, so good. We saved a lot of money there. But in terms of productivity, we were way down. And then just kind of updating our style in terms of council meetings. A lot of stuff was off camera, you know, no access, um, you know, that, that kind of old way of doing things and and so I just wanted to make things more transparent as well and um, and there were some things that we didn't need to be spending money on uh, you know I, I cut out like one of these lobbying organizations that we were paying a fee for and that was actually had policies contrary to our policies that we had adopted so all those types of, of things and um, yeah that's kind of what the first campaign focused on so you were pretty so it was one term as city councilor. It's less than that. I was a I was a, um, a year into my city council term when I announced for mayor, and the council term is four years. Okay. And law school is in this mix too, so I started law school in 2011 as well. Okay. So. So your original, you know, you, yeah, <laughs> you had the you had this idea. I think this is just so that people understand. Uh, you don't have to answer if, if you don't want to, but I guess while you're a student, you're dealing with a similar uh, maybe student debt problems. That, but how are you putting food on the table and, and all this kind of stuff while you're a city councilor? There's different ideas. Of, people don't really know what they make. Yeah. Um, there was a, I was really surprised before they, they've just changed recently with our state reps and state senators, yeah. um, how little they were being paid and the expectations for their time yeah. um, back a few years ago. Um, but how did you deal with that? Yeah, I was, uh, at the time, uh, you know, I was 25 um, and had managed to keep um, my costs pretty low. I, you know, I had a used car that was pretty much, you know, the payments were minimal, let's say, you know, and... Um, I was renting, uh, but I kept everything low, um, and that's because, um, you know, I was willing to sacrifice the, the financial stuff, um, the lifestyle to be successful in politics. Um, it was not glamorous uh, by any means, but, um, you know, before I went to law school, I was also working, um, you know, two part-time jobs while I was on the city council. Um, you know, so I was tutoring English um, in St. Paul um, for Spanish speakers and Karen speakers. 
Um, and then I was also doing some work at uh, Questar and Apple Valley grading tests. So that's what I was able to cobble together um, to make the, the political life work. So um, a year into this uh, term as city councilor, they were kind of surprised. I think I think of the stories that I hear when younger people do run, they're, they're kind of like the puff pieces and maybe I'm misinterpreting or you know maybe that's even from movies where somebody's yeah. like hey why don't I run for something and they're they're not really invested like you were yeah. um what was so what was the reaction I guess once you started actually standing for policies and took that big step of running at that point did you have their attention um before you started running and or was kind of the established mayor at the time thinking Oh sure, I'll take on this candidate. That that should be pretty easy. I'll just keep saying he's young and doesn't know anything. Yeah, and that's that's what they did. Um, you know, they said I was young and wild, inexperienced, all that kind of stuff. Uh, all that, all that genre of words yep. we try and associate when we're trying to demean young people. Um, that's why you know, you know, as a side note, that's why you'll hardly ever hear me say kids, right? If you're out of elementary school, um, I don't like the term kids. I feel like you use that to demean you know when you see online these kids don't know what they're talking about right kids has become a code word for i'm not listening to you yeah which is too bad so you know i, I guess i use the, the phrase young people and i and i still do everything i can to listen to our young people about their ideas and what they're worried about and what they care about um, because if we don't ask them then we can't sit there and and attack them for not caring if 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 uh, you know what we are doing our actions are, are saying we don't care about your opinion and then they don't care yeah that's our fault not theirs um so that's that's my side note there but yeah i got all those words you know you know i had people saying i'm living in my mother's basement and and junk like that but um my strategy there was always to be the most knowledgeable most informed person in any room that i enter um, in city hall and that way, there was no way they could say I was the most inexperienced and uh, least learned. Um, and it worked. Everybody knew I knew what was in that budget, and I would tell you if you were wrong. So people started treading a little more lightly, a little more lightly. Um, but when I ran for mayor, um, that was seen just as a joke by um, you know the mayor at the time and some of the, the continued establishment folks. They just thought it was a joke. Um, they did. They thought it was less and less of a joke when October hit, and they realized that, holy crap, he's been to nearly all of the city, um, and I had signs everywhere and people supporting me in the paper. Um, uh, but even a couple weeks out, um, you know, some of the people still thought, I, you know, I don't know why he's doing this. He's going to be embarrassed. Um, um, but I won by a significant margin in the three-way race um, uh, against the incumbent, and. Um, and so it was at that point people stopped um, underestimating me that, that very day. And, and there was a clear change after that day. So what, what, what do you point to as the things that you're most proud of during your time as mayor of Lakeville? The thing I point to most is changing the culture. Um, you know, and that's not a hard policy that you'd think, you know, like I built this or I built that. Um, but before I was mayor, um, people did not want to work at City Hall. Uh, they were getting yelled at. They were getting blamed. They were getting publicly shamed at meetings. 
Um, there was a lack of professionalism. There was a lack of expectations. Um, every bad uh, like management, you know, advice you could get was is kind of what was going on, and that that was not stemming from staff. Let me tell you that um, that was stemming from the folks that were uh, elected. So changing that culture and making sure. Um, that staff knew that they should be proud to be working for this city and we're going to make some good changes here. Um, and just boosting morale so that people were proud to go out there and advocate for the citizens. That's what I'm most proud of. Um, and it worked. It really did. People wanted to work for us again. And, um, and we're just in, you know, just the buy-in, you could see it. So um, I was really proud of that, and I had a mantra, and I and I told all the directors and the city administrator at the time this. I said, "Look, um, you know, if, if we if we work hard um, and we try, uh, and uh, and something goes wrong, I'll take the blame. That's how it should go. I'm not going to blame you all, um, but I'll, but I do ask that we do our best. Um, so that was kind of my mantra, and they knew I would I would take the heat whenever whenever there was heat, and I think." Um, that was a big part of why we were successful. So once you've changed the culture here in the city that you love, yeah, I mean, mayor's a, a nice position oh. to have. Um, why would you ever think I'm going to go sit in the state Senate um, and all the, now you're not the top dog anymore. You know, yeah. you've, you've That's already run opinion, unopposed. So maybe you are, <laughs> maybe you are. Um, but uh, what instigated yeah. the, uh, the turn of events that you ran for state senator? And what was the timeline there? Were you mayor when you decided to run? Yeah, I was mayor when I decided to run. I, uh, and I loved being mayor. I will never have a better job in my entire life than that. I only got paid $9,800 a year, uh, but I would have done that for free. Um, I really would have. I, I just loved it. Um, this hey, repeat that just so people know. I would these people that they throw, you know, they're just like, oh, they're the worst person in the world. Just like, <laughs> like, they're not getting rich. It's ninety eight hundred dollars a year. Yes, ninety eight hundred dollars a year. Um, it's a little more now. They changed it, but at the, when I was mayor, I was the lowest paid mayor in the top twenty five most populated cities in Minnesota, um, and I was proud of that. I I really would have done it for free if they would have, um, if it if it didn't pay anything, I would have done it anyway. I just. There's nothing better than um, improving your hometown and being put in charge of that. And, uh, you know, what I did at City Hall, I tried to do citywide, which was just make people proud of being here um, and go out into this world. And when you say, what's my hometown, say it's Lakeville, you know, and that you're proud of it. Don't say it's a suburb 25 minutes south of Minneapolis. Say you're from Lakeville. And that was, that's uh, what I want people to, to know. Just be proud of where they're from. And there's a lot to be proud of here. Um, we're, we, we've got some good people doing good work um, and that, that help a ton of people. Uh, so I'm, you know, and we just, it's so beautiful here. Uh, it's so nice here. Uh, we have great schools. Uh, you can go to any park and do just about anything here. Um, you can work here if you want to, you know. Uh, you have all these options here and all these opportunities. So when people say, oh, it's boring or I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm just another suburb. It's like, that's not, that's not true in my mind. So a uh, big part of it was just um, making sure people were proud to be from here. Sure. 
and so then you you thought I've I've oh, spread yeah. that message in <laughs> Lakeville. No, it's okay. Yeah. And then you know the rest of the state needs to know, and this is a yeah this is an avenue to do it. Yeah, I had a I had I had a checklist that I had come into city council with and um, modified when I won mayor of the things I wanted to get done. It was basically ten things, and um, I had done nine of them. And the last one that I didn't get done was tackling the long-term debt problem that we're going to deal with here um, from a financial standpoint at the city. Uh, I really wanted us to start investing more upfront um, in infrastructure as opposed to taking debt out for it all. Um, so that over, you know, my plan was in 20 years. Um, if you did this little by little each year, you, uh, in 20 years from now, we could almost have a, a pay-as-you-go system for our roads, our road reconstruction, which would be huge in terms of the financial rating we get uh, and and there, thereby the interest rate that you all, uh, you know, would charge a city um, and, and taxes would be lower 20 years from now. And so that was my long-term vision. I just couldn't get it. I, you know, in politics, there's so much looking at two years ahead of time or four years ahead of time um, because, um, you know, people are trying to explain it to the public, which I get. But from a financial standpoint, you can't take such a short-term view um, because that's where we get in trouble. Uh, so that was the last thing I was doing. I fought pretty hard for that the last couple of years. Um, I was mayor, but... Um, I knew that I had accomplished what I set out to do, and it was time to move on, um, share kind of the message, share the success that um, uh, we had um, at City Hall uh, with the state and, and, and bring that energy and atmosphere um, and idea-oriented type politics to the state. Uh, so get, now I get to talk about things like education and healthcare and broader infrastructure. Um, among a ton of other issues. So it, it's exciting. It's, uh, you know, new opportunities and new ways you can help people. So was the ex obviously there was a lot of success. Um, there was people underestimating you um, in the city uh, as, you, as you came through. What's been the experience at the state, uh, at the state level? What have been the, I guess, the things you've struggled with and the things that you've been really happy that you've been able to accomplish? Yeah, the the struggle is is both a mathematical problem and there is um, a higher partisanship problem. So the math problem is easy to look at. When you're mayor, you need two other council members to agree with you, and you can get anything done you want to. When you're at the Capitol, you need you know I need 33 other senators, I need 68 representatives in the House, and I need the governor uh, to all support uh, something I'm trying to work on. So that's the math problem, which also leads into the partisan problem. It's just the higher you go, the more partisan it seems right now in our politics. Um, and so there is um, all that kind of undercurrent, right? People want to take back uh, the majority, you know, and have the majority seats um, in the House and Senate. So you look at uh, a guy like me, um, you know, I represent a conservative area. I'm the first DFLer since 1989 to represent it. Um, so the other party thinks, you know, we should go after him next election and we should beat him. Um, and so uh, you can do all sorts Have of... Have they not heard that you've never lost oh, an election? I've told them. I've told them a number <laughs> of times. But they can keep trying. Uh, you know, that's their right. That's their democratic right to keep trying. Um, but I'm going to have something to say about it. So they, the, sometimes people want to create their own facts for the next election. So if you look at it from their perspective... If they, because uh, they're in the majority and they have a lot of power, if they don't let me get a hearing or don't let me pass a bill, 
in you know four years they can say, well, look at how ineffective he was. He didn't get anything done at all, right? And they're the ones saying that, even though they're the ones that made that true. Um, so they ha have tried to do that, and pretty systematically, although it has failed <laughs> miserably. Um, you know, I've been able to work with people across the aisle, um, Representative Garofalo, who represents Farmington in Southern Dakota County, which is the other side of my district. Um, you know, him and I have worked together on a bunch of stuff, and last couple years we got, you know, some funding for um, Denison, and we got some stuff for Nutrier and Dakota County. Um, so we were able to pass those. And then this year, um, something I've been working on for a long time was to get uh, Metro Mobility uh, service to Lakeville. So that's a bus service that brings people door to door at a low cost. Um, it's for seniors and those with disabilities so that they can stay at home and they can get to their appointments or go out and just remain independent. Um, so I was able to get that done this year and I'm, I'm just really proud of that. And um, yeah, so uh, that's what happens. But that's that's the things you're fighting, right? You're fighting the, the partisan battle, right? Kind of the partisan machines of it that wanna win elections. Um, but there's way, there's still ways to maneuver. And right now I'm um, heavily involved in working on um, finding a solution or multiple solutions to the cost of insulin. Uh, people are just getting price gouged across the country. Um, they're not able to afford the insulin, so they're rationing, which makes people sicker and, and some people die. Um, and that's that short-term thinking again, where if people are getting sick and going to the emergency room, that's costing us more than finding a way to get people insulin. So uh, those are the types of things I'm working on and working through um, the challenges of the capital. Okay. Um, how many years do you figure it's going to be before you're the governor of Minnesota? Uh, it could be never. You know, that's that's an opportunity. I don't know if there will be an opportunity to run or what the, the future holds. Um, you know, I'm having a kid this July, so we're going to do that first. That and will then, change things. Yeah. So One kid changes it. I, two and three is exponentially. Yeah. Um, but but one know. is a – yeah. it's going to rock your world in a good way. I know. I'm excited. Um, but let's do that first and, uh, you know, see where where life takes me. That's what I'll say. Okay. Um, do you have the opportunity now to, um, to speak with young people, uh, about your path? Um, and if so, or if not, what, what would you say or what do you say to them? Yeah, I'm, I'm still fortunate to get a bunch of those opportunities. I've been invited to, um, you know, some government classes and some career classes and, um, and, uh, some college classes too. Uh, uh, and that's been fun. You know, because they really do have questions about what it's really like, and I feel like I'm in a good position to tell them the truth, where other people are maybe a little more calculated than I am in terms of the, the candidness they have about politics. But I try and provide the, the real view, right? What are the real challenges? And, you know, maybe they record it, and maybe it doesn't sound the best, but it's the truth. Um, and, I yeah, I get those opportunities, and um, and I just try and tell people don't, don't wait your turn. Don't wait your turn. Because the people telling you to wait your turn want their turn, right? They're telling you not to do it because they want it, you know? And so I tell young people, just do not wait. Do not wait. It, you're, you know, your time is now. What, what's the difference between, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, right? You could start your political activism at 17 or earlier. You know, if you have an issue you care about, just go out there and say something. Yeah, you can't vote. Yeah, you don't have a, money, a lot of money to give to a campaign, 
but you still have a voice and you, and you know a lot of these uh, students have huge Twitter presence you know or Instagram they have those platforms and but um, you know sometimes it doesn't click that that's a plat that's power that's power to, to be able to influence your peers and your and adults um, to do something so get out there if you got something to say say it and and you don't have to wait until you get a job or uh, or an opportunity or someone says go ahead just do it now so that's what I try and impart on who's actually my my first guest uh, Tasso Somas um, answering a question I'm gonna uh, ask you but don't let it sway you um, I call it the magic wand question if you had a magic wand to change something in the world right now in your world, whatever it is, um, the first time I asked that question, what he said is he wished that he could go back and tell 22-year-old, the 22-year-old self, his self, um, to just do things because he waited until he was 40 before he started becoming the entrepreneur that he was um, because he kept waiting for his time. Um, so it's just interesting that, that you say that. If you had a magic wand right now, what would you use it for? That's an impossible question, so I'm going to answer it two ways. Sure. Uh, just because if I had a magic wand, I would have everybody be nice to each other. No one would be sick. No one would be hungry. Uh, you know, no one would suffer any sort of tragedy or pain, right? It's only it, one thing, though. You can only um, do one thing. That was a run-on sentence, so that is one thing. Um, <laughs> but if I have a magic wand, you know, uh, that's what I'd do. But um, in relation to that, uh, I, I wouldn't change the mistakes I've made. I wouldn't. Um, it's it's who I am now, um, uh, and I've made some mistakes, certainly, especially in politics. Um, but I wouldn't change that because uh, I just know so much more about how to be effective now uh, because I've made you know errors. I've been combative when I didn't need to. Uh, I've been petty sometimes when that's it just wasn't appropriate. Um, but we're you know we're people and we learn and we move on. Um, but if I had a magic wand just for politics, um, I would say uh, I, would, I would just wish to require everybody to take a breath and sit down face-to-face and figure some of this out. Completely understandable. Yeah. Um, last question. Typically, we look for three, um, but I'm kind of springing, up, springing this on you. You know a lot of people in Minnesota. Um, I mean, you've given the best... Uh, kind of infomercial for Lakeville I've ever heard of anybody give for their hometown. I've never heard somebody love their hometown so much, which is wonderful. But um, for this podcast, always looking for people. If you could recommend me speaking with uh, three people with a Minnesota story, who would they be? Hmm. Wow. And I may or may not ask them based on your recommendation. That's huge. Minnesota story. Huh. I guess I can't, you know, I can't get it out of my mind. Uh, Hubert Humphrey is such a big part of our political past. Um, and one of his grandkids works at the Capitol, uh, does some lobbying, Buck Humphrey, um, and has some amazing stories about, um, you know, his, uh, his family and what they've meant to Minnesota. Uh, so I would definitely... Um, go there and he's just he's he's a good storyteller um let's see 
this is this is a difficult question. I should I should have pre- I should have prepped yeah. you. I uh, I sometimes do tell them so that they can think about it uh, while we're talking, uh, but didn't want to throw you off. Uh, you know, saying all the wonderful things about Lakeville. <laughs> um, I wish I wish you would have had an opportunity to talk to to Vern Jensen. You know, he just recently passed away, but he was Lakeville's guy. I mean, he had lived here for who knows uh, 80, 90 years. You know, he moved here when he was like two, um, and they, you know, they own, <laughs> their family at one point, their farming family, they owned so much of what is now Lakeville, and and they gave back through like their entire life and. You know, stayed here their entire life and supported the Heritage Center, and they lived in Highview when when it opened, and Highview Hills um, Senior Center. And I just think that would a I wish I wish you had an opportunity to talk to him because I think when I think of Lakeville, I think of Vern. Um, I don't know. I guess my last recommendation is going to be general, um, which is uh, you know it doesn't have to be anybody that uh, has has done something or grown a business or gotten elected or wrote a book like I would recommend <laughs> you talk to someone that that's out there grinding it out 40 to 60 hours a week uh, in our in our town and just see what they have to say because I think that's so much of the the Minnesota story is people just trying to provide for their family um, and just doing everything they can to make sure that their kids got opportunities so find someone like that We'll work on it for sure. All right. Thanks very much for sharing your Minnesota story. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Minnesota Stories. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if there's anybody you'd like to hear from, let us know. We would love to hear their Minnesota story as well.